You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Broncos. I hope all of you had an amazing 4th of July yesterday. I mean, definitely getting out, barbecuing, getting together with loved ones, friends, and family, hopefully making good choices, staying safe. But obviously, you know, for me, I love food. Food is where it's definitely got to be for me. One of my favorite things about the 4th of July, the barbecue, the smell of barbecue in the air. It also reminds me that football is right around the corner because barbecuing weather in the summertime, the grill fired up, you know, obviously tossing the football around a little bit. They get you one step closer to football. And for all of us here as Broncos country, we are just a couple of weeks away from Broncos action at training camp as the team gears ready to kick off week one of the NFL uh, preseason Hall of Fame game against the Atlanta Falcons. So essentially five preseason games for the Broncos. Today's feature show, we are getting back into our winning the West series. Last week, we touched base on the Oakland Raiders, analyzed their offensive scheme, their defensive scheme. Today, we analyzed the Los Angeles Chargers, their offensive scheme, and why, you know, when you look at them on paper, you look at them sometimes, you got to factor, okay, it should be easy to get to Phillip Rivers. He's not that mobile. He's not a mobile quarterback, but... I tell you what, he's a very, very smart, cerebral guy, and the offense that is kind of formulated around him, the pieces that he has, makes it to where the L.A. Chargers, even if they struggle at the beginning of the year, they're always that type of team that will sneak back up in December and come back to haunt you. And and schematically, they can give you a lot of problems on the offensive side of the ball with the dynamic weapons that they have. Defensively, it's the same exact thing. They got pass rushers. They've got a strong secondary now entering 2019. And today's episode of the show is going to be a focal point on that. But before we get into all that, I got to remind you guys today's sponsor of Lockdown Broncos, our good friends over there at Blue Chew. And if you guys don't already know, I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You guys can shoot me a follow on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. So if you guys followed me on Twitter, I tweeted out the other day, I tweeted out a thread. I I watched a lot of game tape on the LA Chargers for last week and a half since I concluded the Oakland Raiders film. I began watching all of LA's games from week one to week 17, bits and pieces here, but specifically against Denver. I watched those matchups a little bit more in depth. I watched them a couple times over. I got screenshots of formations. I diagnosed the play. I see exactly what LA is trying to do with their team, with their offense, with their defense. And to be honest with you, they have the talent this year that it scares me a little bit being a guy that covers the Broncos because we don't know what the Broncos are going to look like. We know what the Chargers are going to look like right now. The Chargers are probably the most complete team right now in the AFC West in terms of who they have, Who's coming back from last year? Some of the additions that they've had, they are coming back with everything, with everybody. And they've upgraded positions. They've upgraded a corner. And Derwin James entering the second year of his career, he's looking absolutely scary. And I tell you what, I'm a defensive back guy. You guys have heard me say this a billion times here on the podcast, but I really do believe that Derwin James could be a defensive player of the year from the defensive back position. And and I think that the NFL may need to create different categories for best defensive back, obviously best overall player in terms of value. I mean, defensive MVP, those are things that should be kind of created as an award. And, and the reason I say that is because when you look at what Aaron Donald did for the LA Rams as a interior pass rusher, I mean, he, he's the best in the business, bar none. He's freaky dominant. He destroys offenses. He can wreck a game any moment. 
and he didn't really have his footprint on that Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. They kind of neutralized him after the first quarter a little bit, and that's by getting the ball out of your hands quickly. So any team going against the L.A. Rams, if you can get the ball out of your hands quickly on the short intermediate stuff, especially if a keep to lead Marcus Peters are playing off coverage, hit the short stuff. That's exactly what the New England Patriots did. And that's what the L.A. Chargers do a lot of. They like to hit the short stuff. And, and so – like I mentioned on Twitter, I went through and I, and I screenshot a formation specific plays that stood out to me that kind of diagnosed how they try to break things down offensively and how they try to break things down against the opponent's offense on the defensive side of the ball. They do a lot of simple things. I mean, everything is simple and everything's predicated off of pick your poison. They have the weapons to do that. So I'm going to go through along. I've actually got all the plays pulled up right now, and we're going to take a little bit of a look here at the LA Chargers offense. Now, the first play of the first game when the Broncos came off the bye. They're at LAC. This is the big, tough road win that the Broncos had. Brandon McManus field goal to win the game. They love to move Keenan Allen around a lot. He'll play on the slot. He'll play on the outside. And I tell you what, this guy might be the best route runner in the NFL. And so Chris Harris Jr., the Broncos went a lot of mad coverage against the Chargers in this first matchup. They went man-on-man. Chris Harris followed around Keenan Allen. And you know why we were, I, I think everybody during that game was kind of frustrated because Keenan Allen went off. And the reason why is because the Broncos were staying in man coverage and they were doing a lot of pick routes, a lot of rub routes, and a lot of underneath stuff. But the first play of the game, LA goes jet sweep with Keenan Allen while Denver is in man to man. And so they come out in a tight end. So we're viewing this as if I'm playing on the Broncos defense right now. They come out with the tight end on the right side and a wing tight end, which is a Virgil Green, right behind him, placed up as a wing. Virgil Green's responsibility as the wing was to kick out Bradley Chubb to seal that edge to kind of free the outside. You have the tight end going up backside, play side to Chris Harris Jr. Obviously, as Keenan Allen gets close to the tackle on the left side of the field, the ball will be snapped. He'll get the ball, and he'll try to get to the outside. That's exactly what jet sweeps are made for, trying to get guys open in space. And the Broncos did, good, did I think, in my opinion, did a really good job here. And I think a lot of it was Bradley Chubb did a great job striking Virgil Green. And Shelby Harris actually did a good job winning his one-on-one against the tackle for the Chargers. And you got to disrupt things. Justin Simmons as well, being an outside force player on this play, the Broncos do a pretty good job stopping this play, but they 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 saw Denver's in man coverage, cover one. They had Darian Stewart at the free safety position, covered in the middle third as kind of a last resort, which in my opinion, I felt like Darian Stewart should have been more of that strong side safety playing up in the box. Justin Simmons, the athletic, agile guy, should have been back playing that cover three, but they had him doing a lot last year. I mean, we've talked about that extensively here on the show, but Denver loves to run a lot of man coverage. Well, they did love a lot of man coverage last year under Joe Woods. It'll be completely different with Coach Fangio, and I'll explain why here in a minute. But going through this, and I encourage you guys to go to the thread right now. As you listen to the show, press pause right now on the show. Go to Twitter. Go to that thread where I tweeted all the pictures, and we can follow along in unison. So right here, Denver is in man-to-man coverage on a play. It is shotgun, and you have... Melvin Gordon off to the right. So everything I'm talking about right now, describing this play call, okay, I'm 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 describing it as if I'm on the defensive side of the ball. So for me on the defensive side of the ball, we got trips left. We have gun right, which means Melvin's Melvin Gordon's to the right of us on the formation, and you got a single receiver to the right, manned up, man to man coverage here. Now against trips, they love to release the number three wide receiver, so we always label receivers. Okay, so when you look at If you ever hear somebody say the number one receiver, number two, number three receiver in terms of a play, look from the sideline and count in. So obviously to the left side, we got Tremaine Brock one-on-one against Travis Benjamin here. That is receiver number one. Receiver number two is Keenan Allen. He's lined up on the ball. 
And then receiver number three is Mike Williams. You have him lined up as number three, close to the end man on line scrimmage, close to the tackle. He's off the ball here. He releases vertically up the field, and it's tight because you have Justin Simmons in coverage, and both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are really close. They're splits within about maybe three and a half yards from each other, and Justin Simmons has to play man coverage on the vertical threat of Mike Williams. And what, what the way that they design this and they attack this man coverage, they get so close. Mike Williams releases up the seam vertically, and as you can see by the play diagram, it causes him to kind of almost run into Chris Harris Jr. It makes Chris Harris Jr. have to undercut everything. So that frees up Keenan Allen going across the field. Here's the key thing. You're like, okay, well, if there's a guy going across the middle of the field, where's the inside linebacker? Well, Todd Davis is manned up one-on-one with Melvin Gordon. Here in the shotgun formation with trips to the left and single receiver on the right side, Melvin Gordon to the right side. Melvin Gordon, a lot of times in L.A.'s pass anything that they do, their passing concepts, whenever they're trying to pass it, he is a threat every single time out of the backfield. And he runs to the flat quite a bit. So it at least for the nobody to be underneath. And this is where Keenan Allen got those yards after the catch against the Broncos. Number three extends vertically attacking the free safety's leverage. And this allows number two, which is Keenan Allen to slip underneath. This is the bread and butter of the Los Angeles Chargers passing game. And it makes sense. Phillip Rivers, quick release. He gets the ball out quickly. And here's why you can't play zone defense again, because there are soft spots in zone coverage where quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers, guys who are cerebral and smart, him, Tom Brady. And I mean, even Patrick Mahomes had a lot of success last year against zone coverage. You got to be able to try to play man coverage against these guys. But the Broncos are playing off here. Single seater side, they're playing press man to man safety over the top, just kind of roaming that free safe, that, that whole free part of the middle. And you almost have some help over the top. So you can play physical coverage, press coverage underneath. You can get a jam on that, but you have to account for everybody. The LA Chargers love to do all this stuff now. Now, they do a lot of times the offensive line for the Chargers gives away, whether it's run or pass. They give this tendency in pass plays where they are on their heels. Their hands are rested on their on the offensive linemen, on their quads, on their thighs. And Melvin Gordon, especially in shotgun, when the Chargers are in shotgun, they're going to pass. Melvin Gordon cheats out a little bit. His splits cheat out a little bit wider. And on that, he likes to run chips. He likes to run vertical releases. He likes to run swing routes. He likes to run to the flat. They'd like to try to get everybody involved. Now, we're going to go on this play diagram here where it's a third and seven. We have trips to the left, Melvin Gordon out to the left, and we have a tight end to the right side with a slot receiver pretty much close to the tight end on the line of scrimmage here. And they are going to run a lot of crossers. Now, number one on the left side of the field, he's going to release vertically to take Tremaine Brock down deep. And you got number two receiver, Chris Harris Jr. is manned up on him. He's going to release vertically for about 10 yards and then try to drive inside. Number three, you have Bradley Roby playing on the inside of number three, Mike Williams, who is running a drive route. And then Melvin Gordon, he's slipping up underneath the line of scrimmage, underneath where the center and the guard is on his left side, and he's slipping out to the flat. So the inside linebacker, Justin Simmons, actually has to do this. The Broncos checked cover two man under on this point. So right now on the play diagram, it shows Darian Stewart about 19 yards off the ball and he's dropping back to cover a deep half. Justin Simmons is up in the box, and then he bails before the snap to show a too-high look, and he's covering deep half as well. The LA Chargers love to hit the short and underneath stuff, and they did it on this play here. They did it quite a bit. Now, when you start to see the Chargers go into a pro formation, pro-I, which is I formation, tight end on one side, so you have a pro-I 
left, wing left. So they have a, they love to run the tight end. They love to run a tight end and a wing combination here. Now with the fullback, with Derek Watt, they love to drop him out to the flat, even when it's a run play to kind of set things up for a later exact play. And then the receivers, they're going to try to run off the ball as if it was going to be a passing route just to get the corners out of the box a little bit. So they like to do a lot of that to kind of create some isolation points. The guard tackle will double team the nose tackle or if he's a five technique and they'll double him up to the inside linebacker, Josie Jewell, Todd Davis. They do a lot of this simple stuff. This is all simple football. Now, Denver, once again, in man-to-man coverage, when they have the tight end and the wing, they place Virgil Green as a wing back on the right side. No tight end to his side. Shaquille Barrett's lined up in an outside seven technique against him. You're going to have the center crash down on Doma Topeka, who's in a one technique. They're going to try to bury him into the A gap. And then you have the guard, Schofield. He's going to release up to inside backer Todd Davis on this. They're going to bring... Virgil Green from the right side, the defensive right side, all the way back to the left to kick out Shane Ray, who was on the left side of the field, and they're going to try to kick him out to create some isolation matchups in the run game. It is smart football and involves a lot of double team and just attacking the base here. Now, one thing I also noticed in LA's game, Okay, they love to do a lot of pre-snap motion. They like to come out in trips. They like to motion out into empty. They like to motion out into double tight. We saw a lot of movement. Now, pre-snap, they motion Tyrell Williams to the left side to a trips bunch formation on the right side, running back aligned to the strength side and gun right, and then a solo receiver on the left side of the field one-on-one. They like to get Keenan Allen one-on-one anytime they can try to match it up. They'll put him into a bunch formation every once in a while, but primarily they want to try to isolate a one-on-one matchup because they believe in his ability as a route runner is super effective, super efficient. And on this play, if you look at the diagram here, it says pre-snap, 16 motions left to trips bunch, running back to the strength side, 13, which is Keenan Allen's one-on-one tight to the line of scrimmage. Why? Because he's either going to run a drag route across the field, he's going to stem as he does on this play here. He runs a squirrel route or what we call a fin route, and he's one-on-one with Chris Harris. Chris Harris at this point, though, he drops back as if he's expecting coverage deep Keenan Allen catches it, and then him and Justin Simmons have to funnel the tackle. But on the right side to the trips, you have the number three receiver running vertically across the field, across the hash mark to the opposite side. So there has to be deep coverage, and Justin Simmons can't bite up on the play or else it's a touchdown for the Chargers on here. The number two receiver, he's on the ball here. He's going to run a deep out, and he's going to get depth probably about maybe 12 yards, bend it to about 15. Melvin Gordon swinging out of the backfield on the swing route. It's pick your poison with these guys. It's quick hitting. It's predicated off of a read, identifying the coverage, and that's why Phillip Rivers is so successful. And, you know, you got to factor in with as much talent that they have offensively right now with Gordon healthy, with you have Mike Williams, who's a big threat if he can stay healthy. Keenan Allen, same exact thing best route runner in the league. They're adding talent to this team overall. You also factor in not only just Melvin Gordon, but you have Austin Eckler as well. You're getting Hunter Henry back this year. You have Virgil Green who came back on another deal. Tyrod Taylor's backing him up. And you you look at all the options that they have. They're pretty much bringing back a lot of guys. They have Mike Pouncey at center, Michael Schofield back at guard, Sam Tevy at right tackle, Dan Feeney at left guard, and then Russell Kung at left tackle. They have all these guys. Travis Benjamin, a speedy guy, Dylan Cantrell, Jeremy Davis, Artavis Scott. These are all weapons that Phillip Rivers can utilize. If one guy goes down, they're not really hurting for guys. They have the talent. They have the depth there. And Ken, Wis- Ken Wisenhunt loves to take advantage of these matchups on the offensive side of the ball here. So, uh, you know, kind of you guys get the gist of what predicates the L.A. Chargers offense a little bit. They love the run game. They love stretch. They love toss. They love counter. They love running through the A and the B gap on ISO and dive plays. They love utilizing the 
the fullback on dump out routes every once in a while. They try to keep you honest a little bit. And for defenses, the only way, in, in my opinion, the Broncos, if they're going to play zone coverage here this upcoming season against the Chargers, they have to be able to play press zone. You can play cover three press. You can play cover four press. You're aligned to the outside. You give a jam and you're releasing. You got to hope that the guy's not faster than you. It all comes back to fundamentals. It comes back to discipline. But when we saw the Broncos fluster the Chargers a little bit, they created more pressure on the interior side of the ball. So Shelby Harris, actually, in my opinion, watching game tape, Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf were guys that stood out to me. Todd Davis had a great experience, in my opinion, reading the guards, filling. He was the most consistent linebacker for the Broncos against the Chargers last year. If they can generate interior pressure, Von Miller is going to come off the edge. Now, I'm going to go back and reference one more play before we get into segment number two where we take a look at their defense and kind of digress that a little bit. One of the things we saw the Broncos do to have success, there was one play, it was Isaac Adams' interception where he caught an interception on a deep out route. The Broncos on this play, it was trips bunch to the right side, Yadam playing outside leverage, playing off about maybe seven or eight yards, and you have just, I, I, I believe it's uh, Tyrell Williams that just ran an out route, probably about a 12 to get 15 out route. Yadam sits underneath, but it's third and seven here. The Broncos, they blitz six rushers on this play. Von Miller rushes the edge, controls that C gap. Brandon Marshall aligns up and rushes inside the B gap. Derek Wolf. He's lined up right now in a three technique on this play diagram. I encourage you guys to follow along with it. He's lined up in a three technique. He twists. As soon as that ball snapped, he twists to the opposite B gap where Shelby Harris is lined up in a three technique. So right here, the Broncos defensive tackles, Harris and Wolf are lined up in double three techniques. Shelby Harris crashes, slants into a one technique, slants into the A gap. Derek Wolf twists to the B gap, filling where Shelby Harris just was. Will Parks fills that A gap where Derek Wolf initially was, and Bradley Chubbs off the edge. They send six. They get pressure to Phillip Rivers. He forces an errant throw, interception. Pressure has bursted Phillip Rivers' pipes so many times, and the Broncos have to get back to that in order to compete on the defensive side of the ball against their offense and the weapons that they have in 2019. So we're going to get into the Chargers' defense a little bit and what the Broncos need to do offensively in order to attack the LA Chargers, very, very talented defense. But before we get into that, I got to remind you guys about the sponsor of today's show, our good friends over there at Blue Chew. And now you can increase your performance and you can get that extra confidence in the bedroom today with bluechew.com. That's blue as in the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable tablet with the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know that they work and that they're effective. You can take them any time of the day, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You don't have to take these if you're struggling in the bedroom. You can take these even if you're doing well in the bedroom. It is a boost to your confidence. It gives you a little bit of extra stamina and a lot of extra confidence in the bedroom when you obviously go to line up and score. You know, I don't know what other way to put it from that matter there, but if you could benefit from any kind of extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is definitely the fast and easy way to enhance your performance today. And because it's prescribed online, it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no more in-person doctor's visit, no more waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, there's no more awkwardness. And so since they're made in the U.S., Blue Chew prepares and ships directly to you. That makes them much cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, if you're a listener of the Lockdown Broncos podcast, you can visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment absolutely free today when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. All you do is pay $5 in shipping. So Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. We want to thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Broncos podcast. 
All right, jumping into segment number two here. We're going to take a look at the L.A. Chargers defense, how they aligned up to the Broncos last season. Now, it's going to be different because last season, the Broncos did a lot of stuff under center with Case Cam. The formula right now, the Broncos still, I mean, that's what John Elway said. That's what Rich Scangerolo said. Joe Flacco is going to be learning to take snaps under center. That's what Drew Locke has to learn on as he develops into a quarterback, potentially for the Broncos in the future. He's got to learn how to play from under center. So nothing changes in that regard here. But a lot of the formations the Broncos used last year with Bill Musgrave, they'd go double tight. So you'd have Jeff Hireman and Matt Lacoste. And so anytime the Broncos came out in double tight or anytime any team came out in double tight, the L.A. Chargers actually filled every single gap in the run game. They wanted teams to pass the ball against Derwin James in their secondary. So they would have... At one point, Joey Bosa would drop back to inside linebacker on one play. They'd have two defensive tackles, two defensive ends. They they vary a little bit defensively from a 3-4 defense, a hybrid defense, to about maybe a 4-4 or 4-3 at times. They mix things up quite a bit under Gus Bradley down there in Los Angeles. And so anytime you have Melvin Ingram, you have Joey Bosa, these guys are guys that are obviously game wreckers. And they come off the edge. They can line up on the defensive line in a one technique and a three technique interior D lineman. They move around quite a bit. But in double tight, they're going to have to. Now we're looking at things from the offensive side of the ball. If I'm looking at Case Keenum's butt or Philip Lindsay's butt to the left side of me, I got an outside linebacker lined up to the outside of Matt Lacoste. He's in a wide nine technique. And then the defensive end is lined up in a five technique. The defensive tackle is lined up in a one technique on Connor McGovern. And then my other defensive end, he's lined up in a three technique to. The right side where we had Jared Valdir and obviously another guy. So, And then you have Jeff Hireman lined up as a tight end to the right side as well. Melvin Ingram's more head up on him, still containing the edge. They're inside linebackers here. You look at Denzel Perryman on this play. He's lined up. He's ready to attack that A gap for the for the against the Broncos. And then their other linebackers attacking the B gap. So they have every gap accounted for. A gap, B gap, C gap, and the outside edge are contained. So against the Broncos in this standpoint, they have Philip Lindsay. Absolutely. Philip Lindsay is their guy. Emmanuel Sanders was healthy at this point. The Broncos offense struggled off at the beginning because of the pressure. They wanted Case Keenum to throw the ball. And they're going to try to force Joe Flacco to throw the ball too. They want to shut down the run game and they feel like their defensive strength is in stopping the run. And they added a very talented defensive lineman this year in the NFL draft and Jerry Tillery. And they have Brandon Meepane as well coming back. They have the talent there to be a strong defense. And, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later on when we get into personnel here. But They'll compress the edge of the line of scrimmage. Something that teams did to the Broncos late in the year. We saw the Raiders do it. We saw the Chargers actually do this week 17. They got bit a little bit. The Broncos actually had some success in the late thir- late second quarter, probably second half of the series uh, of the entire game for the Broncos. They had that drive. Manuel Sanders, Corrin Sutton coming up with big catches. Brandon McManus hitting that field goal there. Phil Lindsay did have a big run in this game for a touchdown. It was much needed for the Broncos at this point. But in this game, the Broncos did struggle. And it was all started on because of the run game. They wanted they stopped the run. They wanted the Broncos to pass the ball. The Broncos came out on that first series throwing the ball. They tried going on a quick slant to Cortland Sutton. They did a drag route where they motioned Cortland Sutton across, and he ran a drag backside. Case Keenum throws a little too high. They tried doing a dump off to Philip Lindsay out of the backfield. It didn't work. So in this game, they wanted Case Keenum to throw the ball. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams in the NFL against Case Keenum. They're going to try to force him to throw the ball because under center wasn't his forte. It wasn't his strength. But here is where we get a little bit interesting here when you would take a look at the secondary 
that the Chargers have overall. And they added some guys. Casey Hayward coming back, having a really good season last year for them. Desmond King, another talented corner for them. And also they're adding in Trevor Williams. They have a a lot of high hopes on him. But for the safety position for them, they have a variety of different looks. Derwin James, he'll be a guy that will play back in coverage. He'll be a guy that plays in the box. He'll pass rush the quarterback. Adrian Phillips, Nasir Adderley. You have Rayshon Jenkins and a Darius Pickett man in that secondary there for the LA Chargers. They have all these guys to play nickel, to play dime. It's pick your poison. And so they're going to try to match up best with whatever weapons that the Broncos offense has. If Emmanuel Sanders is fully healthy, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. Now you had Noah Fant and, and Jeff Hireman and, and potentially Jake Budd. You have the run game and Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, the two-headed monster, and you got to hope that the offensive lineman can attack leverage, which they didn't do a bad job in this game. Uh, the first matchup, the second matchup against the Chargers, the Broncos, they really couldn't do anything. It was almost like everybody gave up a little bit. Now, another play call where the Denver Broncos come out and double wing. You would see that the Chargers defense, once again, they're playing to stop the run here. They're going cover one. They're playing cover one with the free safety play in that middle third. Everybody else is manned up. Your inside backer is lined up over the top of Matt Lacoste. He's playing man-to-man coverage here. You got your edge rusher coming off there as well. And, and overall, you I believe it was Uchenu Wosu. He was the guy playing edge in this game because Joey Bosa just came back in this game. They were easing him in a little bit. And then you have Melvin Ingram to the right side edge. And what they were doing, they were just playing manned up. The other inside linebacker, the wheel, the wheel backer, was playing man coverage on Matt Lacoste. The Mike linebacker was playing man coverage on Philip Lindsay. And then their defensive lineman was in a one technique as a D tackle, was in a three technique from the defensive end position, and an inside four eye technique against Garrett Bowles as from the other defensive end position. They are plugging all the gaps and they are playing lockup coverage here. And they did a pretty good job of it. They have the talent to do that this year. So the Broncos are going to run into some issues against the LA Chargers, possibly. It, it, I don't know exactly what we're going to completely get out of Coach Scangerello's offensive system. We're going to see more action of that in the preseason. They're not going to reveal everything in the preseason, but that week one opener, when they go on, they take on the Oakland Raiders on Monday Night Football, the doubleheader in Oakland Coliseum. We're going to see everything that we can see from Rich Scangerello's offensive scheme. Obviously entering the first year as an offensive coordinator. This is a big, big time for him in, in terms of proving that he can be a coordinator. He can be a guy that can call the plays. I mean, he's a good talent evaluator. He, he did bring in Nick Mullins. He's got a good eye for scouting talent, but can he put the plays together? Can he call it? Can he call it effectively? Can he call things that work? Can he adjust really quickly? These are the things I'm looking for in a first-year NFL offensive coordinator. And it's easier said than done. This isn't Madden. It, it, it isn't Madden. I encourage everybody, if you ever want to coach, coach high school football and try to adjust, try to make these adjustments, try to get better at that. Because, I mean, even these guys started off. Vic Fangio started off his coaching career coaching high school ball. Then he went up to be a graduate assistant out of college. He coached at the collegiate level for a little bit. He went over the NFL as an assistant, and he worked his way up. I mean, it gets tough, and you have to know your stuff. You have to know how to be able to adjust, especially for me. When I, when I look at the Broncos' offense last year, one thing that they did late in the game, they adjusted. They would work on some trap stuff. They'd work on toss. They'd love to try to seal the edge on that de- on the outside linebacker who's just playing that edge contain, trying to squeeze that gap. They were trying to get numbers on him so Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman could get to the outside. That That's one of the ways that you can do it. With Mike Munchak, you're going to see a little bit more discipline in this. I, I think we're going to see a lot of the schemes that the Steelers used in their running game of terms of how things worked in their offensive line protection and run and obviously run blocking and pass blocking. You're going to see a variety of those things, but it all predicates on getting numbers, double teaming the initial near threat to the nearest gap where the play may be going and working your way up to the inside linebacker of the safety. Those are different elements of the game 
that we all talk about here. So when we look overall at this Chargers defense, I'm going to give you the starting lineup. Obviously, Joey Bosa coming back, Brandon Meebain, Jerry Tillery, Melvin Ingram, Jatavis Brown, Denzel Perryman. You have Thomas Davis coming over from the Carolina Panthers. I mean, this is a huge addition for the outside, them playing there. I mean, he is a guy, I believe this is the last year playing in the NFL. I'm not quite sure. It may be, it may not be. I remember he was pondering retirement. He was The Panthers cut him, Chargers signed him. Very good pickup for them. Casey Hayward and Desmond King, talented at the corner position. Derwin James, obviously a guy that has so much hype. And and the hype is real with this guy. He's a great box player. He's a great coverage guy. This is a guy that could be the next best defensive back that we see in the NFL, the next Ed Reed type player, the next Bob Sanders type player. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, and I hate saying this because this is a Broncos podcast, but the L.A. Chargers this year, in my opinion, on paper, they're very scary. So for the Broncos to match up against their defense, they obviously got to utilize the quick passing game. They got to utilize the slot receiver in key situations on inside routes, outside routes. They got to be able to take advantage of quick matchups and get the ball to Joe Flacco's hands quickly. If Joe Flacco has to sit in the pocket and sit there for five seconds to try to find an open man, it's going to be really hard. Now, Granted, it's hard for defenses to cover an offensive guy, speedy wide receivers, for about four seconds. I get it. But if you want Joe Flacco holding the ball that long, I don't think anything good is going to happen. I don't think it's not. And then somebody, okay, I got to bring this up too. Somebody on Reddit said that wide receivers that run a 4-5 are slow. That is extremely slow for a wide receiver to run a 4-5. Shut up. That is garbage. 4-5 is fast. You don't think 4-5 is fast? You go run it. You go see if you can run a 4-5-40, and then we'll see how fast you are, buddy. It's easy to sit there on the couch eating potato chips saying, oh, that's slow. Man, you have no idea how fast 4-5 speed is in the NFL. How many 4-4-4-3 guys do we see in the NFL that are receivers actually make an impact? Outside of Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill does have the body control the, the fast twitch muscle fibers and that speed in the game, which is why he is very, very deadly. As much as I don't like the human Tyreek Hill, he's a great football player. He's the one guy, in my opinion, across the NFL that I can think of. And maybe Travis Benjamin is a little quick, too. Not as fast as he used to be. But there are no guys in the NFL that run 4-3, 4-2, or even 4-4-3 speed that are consistent in the NFL. What happened to John Ross? Huh? Tell me about that. What's he doing? Nothing. So if you say four or five speed ain't fast, buddy, you're a sucker. I'm sorry. You're a sucker. That is fast. That's damn fast. That hurts my knee just even thinking about how fast four or five speed is. It really is. So, I mean, that, that's absolutely crazy. So whoever's on that, on that Reddit topic saying that four or five speed ain't fast, buddy, you have no idea. Stay in your lane. You are a fool. Anyways, back to the topic here. Uh, We're getting here towards the end of the show. I'm a little fired up here. But yes, for the Broncos to be able to attack defensively against the Chargers, they got to be able to utilize the run game. I I think overall, you look at what the Chargers want to do defensively here. They want to stop the run. They want you to pass the ball. So in order to kind of counteract what they can do with Gus Bradley, you got to be able to come out and run the ball from the very beginning. You got to gash off maybe four or five yards of play you know, big play here. Maybe you get a 10-yard run. Then you follow it up with a four-yard run. If you can do that, you get the defense back on their heels a little bit. Then you can start going to the quick passing game where then all of a sudden they're going to start dropping back in the nickel package. They're going to go with a dime package. They're going to try to play more coverage than anything. And then you go back to the run. You run, 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 set up the pass, and then you balance both from the, from the rest of the game. That is what we've seen the Chargers struggle with defensively. Gus Bradley, over time, his defenses have struggled with kind of that balance. But 
it's easier said than done. You can't just come out and say, okay, I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to get 10 yards pop. Then I'm going to go four and then I'm going to get five on the next play. No, it's all about execution. That's where coaching comes in. That's where the offensive line coach, quarterback coach, wide receiver coach, running back coach, all the coaches come into uh, what they do in their everyday drills, pre-practice, their individual periods. This is where all that comes in. These guys just don't go out and just like throw it all together. It's, it's practice. It's repetition. It's live practice reps. It's physical contact. It's preseason reps. It's everything that I just mentioned. You have to have these things in order to be an effective football team. You really do. And so for the Broncos, I, I believe with Coach Fangio's level of dif- discipline and, and what he wants from his guys, the process, the expectation, the standard, I believe that he will do a good job of getting these coaches in place to obviously coach their positions up really well. I believe at the same exact time that the Broncos aren't going to make as many of those kind of big self-inflicted errors that hurt them in previous seasons, the last two seasons. I believe they're going to be much more disciplined. They're going to be much more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball, more fundamentally sound. They're not going to do too many complex things. I mean, shit. Oh, I just cussed. I, I got to go beep, bleep that out here in, uh, when we edit it. I'm sorry. But yeah, they, they would go tr- bad coverage against trips. Trips bunch. I mean, that is a, I, I would say if you want to be a, a defense coordinator, you won't have a job that long if you try to go man coverage against trips bunch. It's just not going to work. Or even empty for that matter. If you go against an empty formation, you can't do that. And the Chargers like to go empty every once in a while. Phillip Rivers wants to get the ball out quickly. It's going to be catch, throw, catch, throw, catch, look, throw. I mean, that's exactly his forte. It's hard to get down Phillip Rivers because he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. When you can generate some pressure and you can force him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and you can possibly get to him, then you have a good formula for success. So defensively, Broncos got to do that to Phillip Rivers. They got to fluster him. Offensively, the Broncos, they have to set up the run game. They have to be patient. They have to establish it on the inside, then hit the outside stuff, then set everything up on play action. That's where the Chargers really struggle defensively. And it's going to be a fun matchup to watch. But in order for the Broncos to win the West this year, they have to do all of that. So Broncos country, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Winning the West, the series against the LA Chargers. Now we begin our extensive film review on the Kansas City Chiefs and what the Broncos have to do and how they can stop Patrick Mahomes. We're going to take some formulas created by the LA Rams and also the New England Patriots. What is Vic Fangio going to do? Also, we're going to take a look at what Vic Fangio did against the LA Rams in terms of figuring out how to stop a high-flying, high-potent offense with a quarterback who's very, very agile and a lot of weapons to throw the ball to. So it's going to be a very fun series. And also, you can look forward to more screenshots and diagrams and, and markups of what we got on film for you guys on Twitter for your viewing pleasure. Please let me know what you thought about this episode and the Winning the West series. If you like it, if you understand it, if my football lingo is a little too much, if there's some things I need to simplify, let me know. I'd be happy to kind of dumb it down a little bit to where everybody can understand it because I talk a lot of football lingo and I understand not everybody understands what I'm talking about in terms of what a three technique is, what a four eye technique, what a seven technique is, so on and so forth. Alignment plays. I know that some people don't know what that is. So if you are having a hard time following along in this winning the West series, please let me know. I'd be happy to kind of sit down with you. I'd even pull up. I'd I'd do a live video chat with you. I'll do a one-on-one video chat with you and walk you through it. I want to watch film with you guys too. So I'm going to look at something here in the future for that. But yes, please let me know what you thought of the winning the West series against the LA chargers. Spent a lot of time. I spent probably 25 hours watching film all together. And it also took time to drop those play diagrams and mark things up. And it's fun though. I love it. It helps me kind of visualize things a little bit easier. That way when the games happen on Sunday, 
You know, I'm not overreacting. I know exactly what the offense is doing for the L.A. Chargers. I know what the Broncos defense needs to align in to stop them. It gives me ideas and it helps me understand that as an analyst. So if you're a football fan, you have more questions regarding football terminology, reach out. Let me know. I'd be happy to help you guys. But also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Himalaya Podcast app, and also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Broncos. And don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke, NFL Broncos country. As always, I appreciate you. We'll see you Monday for a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos. We're one step closer. Broncos football, it's almost here.